Hello, and welcome to Solid Word Bible Church. On behalf of Pastor J. Curtis Costin, we are delighted that you are joining us and trust that you will be blessed as you apply these truths to your life. Hands up, hearts open, wide as the sky. We lift you high, we lift you high. Hands up, hearts open, wide as we cry. God, we lift your name high. Hands up, hearts open, wide as the sky. We lift you high. We lift you high, hands up, hearts open, wide as we cry. God, we lift your name high, oh God, we lift you high, we lift you high, hands up, God, we lift your name high, oh God. We lift you high, we lift you high, hands up, God, we lift your name high, and all the other names fade away, let all the other names fade away, until there's only you. And all the other names fade away. Jesus, take your place. Jesus, take your place. Let all the other names fade away. Let all the other names fade away. Until there's only you. And all the other names fade away. Jesus, take your place, God. Jesus, take your place. Jesus, take your place. Jesus, take your place. We lift you high, hands up. God, we lift your name high, oh God, we lift you high, we lift you high, hands up, God, we lift your name high. Every high thing must come down. Every stronghold shall be broken. You wear the victor's crown. You overcome, you overcome. Every high thing must come down. Every stronghold shall be broken. You wear the victor's crown. You overcome, you overcome. At the cross the work was finished You were buried in the ground But the grave could not contain For you were the victor's ground Oh, thank you, Jesus Hallelujah You have overcome you have overcome, hallelujah. Jesus, you have overcome the world. Every high thing must come down. Every stronghold shall be broken. You wear the pinter's crown. You overcome, you overcome. Come down, every stronghold shall be broken. You win the big.
Hi, Solid Work family and kids. We have a Bible lesson for our nursery through fifth grade students available online at solidword.org slash solid kids. Enjoy your time with the Lord and happy Mother's Day. Happy Mother's Day as we gather again this Sunday, although virtually, um, still being able to join together under God um, in Christ <clears throat> and can still celebrate mothers. I, I really hope that many of you have been able to use 
our hashtag tribute, SWBC Mothers, and that you've been able to celebrate this day, whether it's a picture or a post or, or something where you honor either your mother who is with you, um, a mother like me who is not any longer, and then those who have been mother types to others, even though they may not have children of their own. Happy Mother's Day. Um, hopefully this is not for our mothers the only day that people are honoring you. Hopefully, indeed, this is a time in which you have this heaping of honor um, <clears throat> uh, as you've been getting it throughout the year that we thank God for how he uses mothers to shape and to mold and to encourage and to walk alongside. And so today, as we get into Ruth, um, this next part of the series, I decided to stay here as we um, as we look into an aspect at times of being a mother or of journeying um, even as a woman um, and for even greater application as any of us journey during the time when things are tough, when things are sad, <clears throat> when things may even be desperate. I know many times during, uh, many times during Mother's Day, we want to um, just think of all the happy things that has happened and can happen. Sometimes those sad things come back to our minds. But from this story in Ruth, from this part, I believe we can gain encouragement for our mothers who are journeying through, who are struggling, and it is hard, and it is not pleasant. And maybe you have experienced major loss in this season as a mother, as a woman, as a friend, or as anyone that's listening today, may you find comfort in this part of Ruth about God's sovereign hand in the middle. So today we're going to be finishing off chapter 1 from verses 6 to 22, and we're going to be looking at the sovereign return home, that God's sovereign hand working here on the behalf of Naomi and even Ruth and ultimately um, of Israel and even by greater connection us down the line as, as, as from here we will see that the Messiah comes from this lineage but today we will see God's sovereign hand in the return home. So if you join me in prayer, we're going to jump right on in and see God at work in this. Father, we thank you again for another Mother's Day. And even though we are not able to be in person, Father, we are still together because our hearts are knit together because of you. Thank you for the mothers, O oh God, that have, <clears throat> that have uh, worked, fought, praised, encouraged, Lord, helped, struggled, succeeded, um, battled, Lord, and, and, and even enjoyed the success that you give. Thank you, Lord, even as we know that there are those that have suffered more than others, God, thank you for their work, for their commitment, for their love. I thank you for my own mother, who God has shaped me tremendously in that her fingerprints are all over my life as a, as a believer in Christ, Lord, and as a man of God. I thank you for her. I thank you for my wife and how she continues to shape our children and for of all the mothers, God, in our midst, that you continue to work in and through and on them. I pray today as we read through this part of Ruth that you would give us your wisdom to see what you are saying in your word and that we would have the wisdom, O oh God, to be able to respond appropriately and accurately and passionately in light of what we hear. God, I just pray that you would be strong among us today. In Christ's name, amen. I'm going to read through it. Just read with me through it, and then we're going to be able to jump in. It's great to be able to hear it again as we go through. And I really hope that you guys have had a chance to read through the book of Ruth at one sitting. And if you haven't, please try that, and please make sure that you get that opportunity too. Only four chapters, 85 verses. It will do you good. Let's read. Then she arose with her, daughter, with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, 
for she had heard in the fields of Moab that the Lord had visited his people and given them food. So she set out from the place where she was with her two daughters-in-law, and they went on the way to return to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Go, return each of you to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. The Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you, in the house of her husband. Then she kissed them. And they lifted up their voices and wept. And they said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi said, Turn back, my daughters. Why will you go with me? Have I yet sons in my womb that they may become your husbands? Turn back, my daughters. Go your way, for I am too old to have a husband. And if I should say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night, and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? No, my daughters, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Then they lifted up their voices and wept again. And Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. And she said, See, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. But Ruth said, Do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. For where you go, I will go. And where you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. Where you die, I will die. And there will I be buried. May the Lord do so to me and more also, if anything but death parts me from you. And when Naomi saw that she was determined to go with her, she said no more. <clears throat> so the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to and, and, and when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, for the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? So Naomi returned, and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law, with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. We are starting to get into the meat of this story, and we begin to see now that after Naomi had decided that she was going to arise and get up, and to head back home that her daughters-in-law, they all had agreed they were going to go together. Um, understand at this point, because their husbands had passed away, they really had no obligation to Naomi. And so this deciding initially of her daughters to go really speaks to the kind of relationship Naomi had with her daughter-in-laws. Now, as we look at that today, today, the mother, daughter-in-law or the mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationships today have been the brunt of many jokes for many people. And they will talk about their mother-in-law. Some will have good things to say. <clears throat> many will not. Um, and, and because it, it actually comes, I've heard it said that, 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 that there can just never be a woman good enough for my son. Well, yeah, some people believe that. And there are many that, of course, do not. But here, what you see is this mother-in-law, daughter-in-law relationship that lasted beyond her sons. They stayed around. And it speaks to the kind of woman and the kind of mother that Naomi was. And that here in this, in this new culture, that, that, that these women were actually ready to leave and give up their culture to head with their mother-in-law back to her homeland, leaving their own mothers behind. 
in essence, what they were saying is that we will make you our mom now and we'll go with you. That speaks tremendously to the kind of relationship they had. Oh, that today that we would have relationships, daughter-in-laws and mother-in-laws that would go beyond their sons, although it's included with their sons. And you definitely don't want to lose the sons. But these relationships and Naomi as a woman of the family of God, um, representing really God well and even in her <clears throat> in her in her tragedy and in all that she lost, she gets up to leave. And these women are going to go with her. I know there are some saying, I don't have that kind of commitment to my mother-in-law. I love that Naomi was such that these women wanted to be, wanted to journey with her. And so they begin to journey. And as they journey, we're going to look at the four things that we'll see today and that we'll look into today. We'll see the command from Naomi. We're going to see the commitment from Ruth. We're going to see the declaration of Naomi upon returning. <clears throat> and then we're going to see the hope of God after their return. And so the first one, the command that we see here is as they start to journey, nothing is being said. They quietly return. And please understand that was a dangerous return. Here they were traveling without any covering Without any men traveling with them and covering, they could be, I mean, they could um, not only be attacked, um, they could be harmed, they could be abused and used on the way back. And remember, that trip was not a short one, and they had to travel through another land to get back to Bethlehem. Just like when she left with her husband, they had to travel through another land and country to get to Moab. And so they're on the way back. And as they're traveling back, <clears throat> Naomi now starts to speak. I think she, she, she must have just start to think about this and look around and, and, and you can get the, the, the painfulness of her, um, of what's happening inside of her because it begins to come out later. But she probably just begins to think about this and she stops and she says, no, wait, go back. Her command is for you to go back to where you belong or to where there's hope for you. And really, that's a backhanded way of saying there's no hope for me where I'm going. Or what she says to you is there's no future. So she says to them, wait a minute. You need to go back. Verse eight. But Naomi said to her two daughters in law. Go, return each of you to her mother's house and stop there for a second. Now, does that mean that their dad also had died? No, what, 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 what researchers believe and what theologians believe they were really talking about was in being prepped to, 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 to have your marriage arranged. You do know back then they arranged marriages that it was in the <clears throat> it was in the mother's room or in those quarters in in which the arrangement would happen. And so they believed that for her saying that was saying, go back to where it can be arranged with your family that you can have other, I mean, another husband. This is done for you here. I'm glad that you were willing to travel with me, but this is over. And, and, and she begins to put out these reasons why it doesn't make sense for her to go, they says, go back to where you could be matched with a husband again. It, with your families. <clears throat> I know you've committed yourself to me, but, 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 but I want you to go back with your family. Look at the tremendous, although hurt, look at the strength of this mom that she knows that traveling by herself, she has to know that, would be tremendously dangerous. It would be something that would be unheard of. And she is putting herself at risk. There's a part of me that believes that Naomi may not even care at this point because she has lost so much. And she says to them, there's no point in you going any further. Go back, both of you, to where it can be arranged that you may have a life again because there's none with me. I'm done. And then she says to them, look, 
As a matter of fact, this 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 prayer of farewell, the statement of farewell, she says, may God grant you. May the Lord deal kindly with you as you have dealt with the dead and with me. And she says to them, look, I'm praying that that the kindness, the has said of the Lord, that 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 steadfast love, that, that that ongoing kindness of God. I pray that he give it. He gives it to you because I cannot. There's nothing left with me. But I pray that God grant you this favor. Now, here it is. They're not going back to <clears throat> live under God's control because she eventually tells him, go back to your own gods, which is not the living God. And she says to them, but may God bless you because of how you were to me. You ladies, you women were stellar. And remember, they were hurt, too, because they lost their husbands and didn't have any children to show. I mean, from the relationship, they were they were unable to have children. So they were unable to have and they lost their husbands. And so she tells them, don't go with me. I'm done. Go back to where you can be arranged and make God reward you. And then he says, I mean, she says in verse nine, may the Lord grant that you, I mean, the Lord grant that you may find rest, each of you in the house of her husband. And what she's saying is, not only do I pray that the kindness of the Lord rest on your life, I pray that the satisfaction from the Lord is yours as you join in new families. Here is this woman battered, bruised, and broken, and she is blessing these women. We know women like that in our society who have been hurt, who have been broken, but they're still blessing. And even from her brokenness, she is wishing blessing. She is not at the point where she doesn't. She's not even blaming them. Yeah, see, that's what I get for being out here with these foreign women over here in this foreign land. No, she goes, go back. You have been such a blessing to me. I pray that God is a blessing to you even as you travel back and are not living under him. And so you see still the strength of heart. And I believe even the, the strength of character of this woman that's hurt deeply. And there are mothers today that you are still trying to bless you are still trying to give, although you have been broken and you have been bruised deeply. Life has hit you hard. And here you are still wanting to see people blessed. And so then <clears throat> as she really gives them these reasons for going back and they were really good reasons, she said, I mean, then I'm sorry, the text says then. She kissed them and that kiss is it. It is this customary kiss of saying farewell, not I'll see you again. Not it was good knowing you, but but I will never see you again. And this is a farewell. And she kisses them and says, just go. And it says, and they lifted up their voices and they wept. The result of this is that they and that weeping, that really is the same word used for for. I mean, when people are in lament, Lamentations 1, 4 has that to when they were lamenting, they were wailing because they were hurt deeply and there was such loss. They were now crying because the relationship from Naomi's end was going to be over. And once again, let's remind it, these are not mothers and daughters separating. These are mothers and daughter-in-laws, I mean, mother-in-law and daughter-in-law separating, but their relationship was such that they were much closer. And they cried and they both said, because of the relationship, no, both of them, no, we are going with you. And I love this. And so Naomi being probably the strong and stubborn woman that she was, and there's some of you out there like that today, that she, she pressed, they pressed back, and she pressed even harder. And she came back again because she saw no future. She did not want them to be like her. And so what she thought, at least, was going to be her. And so <clears throat> she, she, 
she pushed back the second time her command. The first one was go back to your mother's house and may the Lord bless you. May the Lord grant you kindness and satisfaction. The second time she clearly says there's no future for you with me. And in essence, what she's saying is I have no future. And she's going to give the reason why in a moment. But she says, I have no future. There's nothing. You coming back with me is pointless. And then she leans in why. <clears throat> she says, verse 12, turn back, my daughters, go your way. For am I too, I mean, for I am too old to have a husband. Now, does it mean that she's too old to marry someone? No, what she was meaning is she says that I'm too old to be in a relationship that's going to produce other children or, in essence, other heirs or other sons. If I should <clears throat> say I have hope, even if I should have a husband this night and should bear sons, would you therefore wait till they were grown? Would you therefore refrain from marrying? Look at what she's saying, because she gives them a very logical <clears throat> and very understandable case for not going further. She says, look, if I get married tonight, which is not going to happen, we're out here on our way back to Bethlehem. There are no men standing around just waiting for them to marry me. So if I did and I could have children and it's believed that she was past the childbearing age. So she said, if there was this miracle that I could get married and that I could actually have children and that I have two of them and the two of them were sons. She just keeps going into these impossibilities. She says, are you going to wait around until they get old? Because you can't marry them at a month old. And so she said, you have to wait until they're grown. And here's going to be the thing. Are you going to wait for them to get, I mean, for them to grow up? The other side of the story is, when, I mean, if they grow up through all these possibilities, if they grow to be young men, are they going to want y'all? Because y'all are going to be old by then. And here is this mother who was bruised, battered and broken, still given this clear reason for them from a human perspective why they should not be going back with them. I love the care, although the care was based on some faulty perspectives, which was driven by the hurt of Naomi. But 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 we have women out there the day that you are you are wanting to see what is best. You don't want people to maybe end up in the hurt that you have or that you are in. And so you are pushing them in another direction, um, humanly speaking, just because of all that you see or all that you're going through. But what Naomi is missing and maybe what some of our mothers today is missing is that when God is in the equation, there are some different things that can happen that we may not or sometimes do not recognize. And so she gives this to them. <clears throat> and as she asks those impossible rhetorical questions, she ends up answering it and says, no. She says, no, my daughters, in the middle of verse 13, for it is exceedingly bitter to me for your sake that the hand of the Lord has gone out against me. Now we begin to see why she believes that there is no future with her. You can almost put it, you know the verse that says, if God be for us, who can be against us? The way Naomi is putting this, if God be against you, who can be for you? She just said that verse, and the way it reads in its original, is that God has attacked her. God has gone out against me. I am God's enemy. He has come and, 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 and understand this, although Naomi understands the sovereignty of God, she says this is all under God's hand and God is doing this to me. So there is no sense in you traveling with me when God is against me because he's going to be against you, too. And there was little faulty theology there that was happening in the middle of her embracing the sovereignty of God. And so she had a little mix there. But sometimes when we are, are, are hurt deeply and when we are bruised, we see God incorrectly. 
And boy, that's what is happening with Naomi. She said she was right in that this is all under the sovereign hand of God. But she was incorrect in that God was her adversary. And she was going to see in a moment why that was not the case. So she says to her, in essence, God is my adversary. So it doesn't make any sense to stay if God is against us. And um, with that, they started crying again. She made a good case. She made such a good case that we see in that next verse, and there's no criticizing of Orpah. The narrator doesn't criticize it. It just states the fact. It says, then they lifted up their voices and wept again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law, but Ruth clung to her. I love it. There was a kissing and a clinging. And so the end of the command was that she convinced Orpah. She was like, oh, okay, well, you put it that way. I'm going home. You make sense. You're right. And I'll probably find a better future, and especially if your God blesses me back that way. <clears throat> and so she believed Naomi's account, and she kissed her, weeping and crying, and she walks away. And in her kiss of doing what was expected, when someone gave that kind of reasoning, it was expected that the daughter-in-law would listen and leave. And so she gave her the kiss of the expected. But Ruth instead gave her the clinging of the unexpected or the extraordinary. And this is where it really picks up. The narrator isn't so much criticizing Orpah as he is showing you the extraordinary commitment of Ruth to Naomi. And that's where... The narrator wants you to put your focus. Orpah did what most people would be expected to do, and she returned. And Ruth did far more exceedingly than anyone expected. She actually did the unexpected, that a foreign daughter-in-law with no obligation to her mother-in-law. And, and, and as far as Ruth knows, Ruth can't read to the end of her own book. She didn't see what was coming down the line. She didn't know all of what God was going to do. All she knew is that I'm committing myself to you. And as a matter of fact, she makes her commitment emphatic. And that's our next point. We had the command of Naomi and then we had the commitment of Ruth to return with Naomi. <clears throat> and in essence, it it it. It gives me this thought of when we look into the future of our, law, of our Lord who says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. Listen to what Ruth actually says. And so she goes on and said, but, but um, and Naomi says, see, your sister-in-law has gone back to her people and to her gods. Return after your sister-in-law. Naomi says, your sister-in-law is doing the right thing. Go with her. Go, go. Ruth says, do not urge me to leave you or to return from following you. She pushes back as hard as Naomi was pushing. Two strong women right here. I love this. One that cared for her out of being battered and bruised. And understand, Ruth was not one who had me, who, of whom there was no hurt. She lost her husband and she has no children in a society that both those things were highly regarded. And she says, don't urge me. Don't command me. Don't try to persuade me to go back. I'm not. And then she lays in her commitment. She says, look, for where you go, I will go. And I love this. Whether you're going to Bethlehem or not, I'm going with you. Where you lodge, I will lodge. Wherever you decide to stay. So wherever you travel, I'm there. You look up, you're going to see me. Wherever you decide to stay, when you wake up, you're going to see me. She says, your people will be mine. Whenever you mix with these people, that wherever, we, wherever we're going to, when you mix with these people, you're going to see me. And as a matter of fact, where you die, I will die. Listen to this. 
and I'll be buried there. <clears throat> she doesn't say, and when you are, and when you die, because everyone's going to. She didn't say, when you die, then I'll leave. She does something that's unheard of. She says, I'm going to wherever you're going and wherever you are and decide to stay when you die, wherever that is, I'm staying at that place until I die. Why? She's saying that I'm going to live out and carry on, in essence, your legacy. Her commitment was well beyond what was thought of and expected. Number one, that kind of commitment reminds me of how the Lord has committed himself to us, but it also tells me of how God wants our commitment to be with him as disciples. He says, unless you leave everything, unless everything is counted as nothing to you and you pick up your cross and follow me, unless you die to yourself daily, you can't follow me. Ruth displayed that before Christ told his disciples that. It was of that same character. Here it was. God was showing the kind of steadfast love and commitment that he has for us, but he was doing it through a human agent um, that was coming alongside of Naomi. God calls us at times to be his answer to people through this kind of loyal and loving commitment that comes from him, but goes out to other people. And so he says, in essence, God is really using Ruth now to come alongside Naomi. Naomi is thinking that it's finished and there is no future. I have no one to help me. I'm going to go back and die. I have no heirs. There are no sons. And Ruth is saying that I'm going to go die with you then. I love the strength. And you have to understand, this is the strength of a young woman who's been hurt by loss and who was given up her family. In other words, when she said what she said, she was abandoning her culture fully and permanently. She said, I'm with you. This wasn't a ride or die. She said, I'm your ride and die, because she was going to stay there through death. As a matter of fact, she makes this oath and she says, may the Lord, may your Lord, may the Lord deal with me severely if I let anything but my death or your death separate us. That's my commitment to you. And oh, that we would first have that commitment today to our God. God, that there is nothing there. Is, culture is not going to separate. Because remember, Orpah went back, culturally speaking, it was the right thing to do. Orpah went back culturally to do what was right. But Ruth was like, I'm not letting that stop me. I'm not letting culture separate me from you. Now, that is our commitment to God, but also God calls us to have that commitment to one another. And that God wants some of us to come alongside of people, moms, women, other people that have been hurt like Naomi, that life has bruised, life has broken, life has battered, and to come alongside and say, hey, I'm here. I'm not just here for the season. I'm not just here until you make a commitment to Jesus and then you'll never see me again. I'm committed to you for life. Why? Because God is working through me to you. And so there is this steadfast love, this commitment that Ruth displays. And it amazes Naomi because Naomi says in verse 18, I mean, I mean she acts in the way that I probably would have as well. And when Naomi saw that she was determined, she mean Ruth, to go with her, she said no more. Naomi was like, all right, let's go. And so then there is the commitment of Ruth, the command of Naomi, the commitment of Ruth. And then we see here, as they return to Bethlehem, the declaration of Naomi upon returning to Bethlehem. The declaration of Naomi upon returning to Bethlehem. Hang in there with me. We are coming down to the close of this. It's so it says, so then the two of them went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred 
because of them. And the woman said, is this Naomi? Understand this declaration that was couched, that was in this blessing that Naomi was missing. Do you see the blessing in the fact that they made it back to women walking from Moab to Bethlehem, journeying by themselves with no covering or protection? The hand of God was actually over there and protecting them and watching them. They made it to Bethlehem. It says, and when they returned, that's why you know God was behind this return. They returned safely, just the two of them. <clears throat> And so it says, when they returned, the town was in this hustle and bustle. This small town was stirred. Well, of course they were. They looked and they saw and wondering, one, did Naomi look any different? Well, she could have. Not only was she older, but she has been bruised and battered. We don't know. But the other part was she didn't come with who she left with. And we don't know if she heard the, if if they heard the news before she got there or if they heard it afterwards, but they would hear it. They came back and that person looked like Naomi. You ever see someone that was out of the context that you've always seen them in? You know how it is when you see people out of the place where you normally see them. You kind of have to do that take. Is that really you? I remember when we saw one of the Solid Word members, we were actually in Barcelona, Spain, and we saw one of Solid Word members who was over there at that time. And this is when we were living over there <clears throat> in, in Europe. And when we met up with them because we heard that she was there, we met up with them and our kids looked and they kind of looked like, like, they, like they knew her, but they but this was not the context that they knew her in. And then when they finally realized, oh, 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 that is her. For Naomi, there was no family around her. And there was this woman with her that she didn't leave with. And so the town was stirred up and in this hustle and this bustle. And wow, Naomi, I think it's Naomi returning the women. And, you know, here, put a bookmark by these women because they're going to come back at the end of the story and have something else to say. So the women of the town came and said, are you Naomi? Are you really Naomi? And then we get the declaration of Naomi. They questioned who she was. And I'm wondering if it was because of what they had seen and what they did not see. But then she responds back to them. And in verse 20, she says to them, do not call me Naomi, which remember her name means pleasant. Do not call me Naomi. Call me Mara, and that means bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. Now I'm going to tell you once again, and I love this. This is the rawness of her pain. And do you see something right here? God is able to handle it. You don't see her getting rebuked. You don't see her getting shamed. How do you think of God like that? What's wrong with you? God's going to deal with her incorrect view of him, but he's going to do it over time. He's going to do it in process. But I want you to see this mom and I want you to see moms today. You may be in a place where you are hurt and you may want people to see your bitterness because you feel that God has done badly by you. He has attacked you. He has, he has decided to end it for you. How could God let this happen? Where is God? When all this was happening or God knew this was happening. Why didn't he stop it? God has allowed this bitterness to come upon me. No, I'm not joyful. I'm here, though. And you have to understand that Ruth, I mean, um, Naomi is 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 actually where God is attending to his people. She is back at the place of God's provision. All that is going to happen to her and to Ruth could not happen if she was in Moab. In other words, so, so it, it, she, she got up and had enough firm, really, she had the faith to know that God was indeed sovereign over all this, but I'm going back to die. If I'm going to die, I might as well die where, where God's presence is, where he is attending to his people. I might as well do that, but God has dealt badly with me. I don't like how the Lord has dealt with me. He has attacked me. He has dealt bitterly with me. Don't call me by my name. I'm not Naomi. I'm a bitter 
woman. Why am I bitter? She says, because I left here full. I left with a full family. I left with full hopes. I left with full dreams. And I'm coming back and I'm empty. I've got nothing. Yes, I made it back, but this is all you got here. And there's someone today, that is how you feel. Man, you feel like, God, why did you just allow one thing after the other after the other? And you've dealt with me bitterly. And you go, I don't have anything left. See, but this is where Naomi was missing it. She thought God was her adversary. And what she had missed totally because of her pain, I understand it. What she missed and what she didn't understand, God was not her adversary. God was her advocate. Why? Number one, he placed Ruth right beside her. Did she miss the fact that she had this, 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 this ride and die woman that wasn't going to leave her side? That God protected them all the way on the journey back and they made it to Bethlehem? As a matter of fact, um, um, here's what we are going to see also is when they came back was the sovereign hand of God. And so verse 21, she says, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? She was blaming God for what happened because she knew God was sovereign and in control of all. And this was his fault. He says, so Naomi returned and Ruth the Moabite, her daughter-in-law with her, who returned from the country of Moab. And they came to Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. And that is my last point, the hope of God after the return. Here, after the declaration, the declaration that Naomi made, she didn't even catch it, but the narrator gives us the hope. Number one, the first, uh, uh, the first glimmer of hope is when they heard first that the Lord was attending to and blessing his people back in Bethlehem when they were in Moab. Now, the second one is that she had this companion, this daughter-in-law who wasn't going to ever leave her side and demonstrated that to travel back with her. That's the second thing that she missed in the hope. And the third thing that she missed is that they came back when it was time for the food to be harvested, for the barley to be harvested. She heard the Lord was blessing, but she didn't come back when they were planting more barley and had to wait. She came back when it was reaping time. As a matter of fact, she didn't even have to sow. All she had to do was to come back and to find a place to be able to reap some of the benefits of what someone else had already done. Wow. And she missed it. Yes, she's lost tremendously and she's lost greatly and she is empty in that her sons are gone and her husband is gone. But she was missing the fact that the grace of God was standing right beside her in Ruth. And there's someone today that you have been hurt so much that you can't see the grace of God possibly standing right beside you. It could be in the person. It can be in how God is dealing with you. It can be how he is blessing or it could be coming down the line and how he is setting it up. You think God is in this adversarial relationship with you, but you are missing the fact that God is actually advocating for you. And he got you to return to the place where he is providing so that he can put you in a position to let happen what he is ordaining. And even through the loss, God is saying, I'm working on something. Just stay there. And I like this for Naomi. Yes, she's hurt. Yes, she has a wrong perspective of God in this, but she's there. Mama, stay there. Don't leave. Allow the Lord to work in and on you, even if you are bitter. Don't walk away. God is up to something. God is working on something. And he says that they came during the barley harvest. And that's how he ends this part of the story, because those who would have read it in this part of the story, they go, whoa, uh, something's going to happen. You know how when you're watching a movie and you begin to see some of these glimmers of hope and you start to those people who know how to put stories together, you put the story together and you go, wait, 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 he's up to something. Wait, wait, something's going to happen. You begin to get that feeling. Oh, Naomi doesn't feel it. She's she not feeling it. 
it seems like God has worked in, I mean, unjustly in her case. And we see it today. Let me ask you a question. Individually, where is your Ruth? But is God maybe even calling you to be a Ruth? And understand, God is not saying everything is right in your life because it wasn't in Ruth's life. She didn't have everything together. She lost too and left everything. And yet God is allowing her to come alongside to be him to someone else. And there's someone out here. Yes, you are hurt. And God is calling you to be a Ruth. You may be a mom. You may not be a mom. Maybe you want to be a mom. But God is calling you to be a Ruth to someone who's been battered, bruised, broken, and now is bitter. And if God would use Ruth to win her heart back to him and to see him as he is to be seen. So let me ask you questions for today that I want you to consider as we end. How has what, how has what has happened to you affected how you encourage people to trust or not to trust the hand and the working of God? In other words, is what happened to you hindering or helping people to trust the work in the hand of God? How? Because we can. Things that happen to us, sometimes we can take it and we can make it into a situation where we, <clears throat> we have others to, to help them not to trust in God. Second question, how have you thought that God was against you while missing how he was actually working for you? How have you thought God was against you? And then you and, 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 and you're not seeing you're missing. Where are you missing how he's working for you? Sometimes in the tragedy, we don't get. We don't see the hand of God working and God is calling us. Just hang on. Just stay with me. Don't leave. I'll show you where I'm working. Stay. Don't go. Next one is, how is God calling you to change your thinking of him as your adversary, as your advers adversary instead of your advocate? God is wanting somebody to change their thinking of him. He's actually working on, if you are a child of God, even if he is disciplining you, he is doing it as an advocate. He is not fighting and working against you. Oh, you could even be walking against the will of God. I mean, you know, and, 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 and not returning. God can be getting you to return to him. But he's still doing it as an advocate because you are his child. Naomi was still a part of the family of God. And then lastly, how was God calling you to embrace the commitment of Ruth in your life? Number one, to, to the way of God, to his way, and the life of another. How is God calling you as a disciple to leave and abandon everything and to ride and die with him? Because that's ultimately what the Lord is doing. He calls all those who will follow him that they would love nothing more than they won't love mother and father, they won't love Wife, they won't love husband, they won't love children more than him. In essence, everyone is left behind when it comes to commitment to God. Where is God calling you to have that Ruth-like attitude? But also God is calling you to come alongside someone else with undying commitment, being his hands and feet. And let me say, it could be an individual, it can be a group that has that same embracing, the church itself. How is God calling us to come alongside those that have been broken, battered, and bruised by this world and are left bitter in this world and that we can come and stand and say, we're not leaving. We are here to the end. We are here to make sure that, that, that you have a companion and that we will bring who we are and what we have to bear on this situation, because I believe God is calling us as a church to do that as well. The sovereign return home 
is about God continuing to work out his plan. And it includes you and I, as it included Naomi and Ruth along the way. This Mother's Day, may you find your place as either one who heads to where God is attending to those, although you are bruised, broken, and bitter toward God. So either God wants you to find your place as one that although life has dealt or as you have been dealt this blow in life, that you're still heading toward God and where God is blessing, even though you don't fully understand who God is and what he is doing. May you find that. Or you are one who was loyal to the person who is bruised, broken, and bitter. I know mothers that have fought hard for their families. And you know, I've said it many times. I think of my own mother who fought hard, sacrificed much, loved deeply, gave up so much so that her family could be taken care of and had that Ruth-like spirit of commitment to both her God and her family and also came alongside others in the process of doing that as well. And God is calling for some of us to do that. Mom, today, you may be holding on by a thread, but stay there. God sees where you are. And as a matter of fact, God can handle you being angry. God's shoulders are big enough to handle our anger and our bitterness, and he will work and work around and in to show us his hand actually advocating for us. But I'm calling on some roofs. I'm calling on some roofs today. Some people that will stand in the gap and say, I'm not going anywhere. I know it's culturally acceptable for me to leave or to ignore, but I'm not. I'm going to allow God to work through me in an extraordinary fashion to stay with and stick around, even though I myself may be hurt. Where is God leading you? Who is he calling you to be? Let's pray. Father, thank you. So much, God, that this Mother's Day we can be reminded of this mother, God, although hurt deeply, came back into the presence and the place of God and allowed herself to be where God was attending to the needs of his people. And so thus, God, she could find herself in the proper place for you to do what you wanted. Father, I pray that you would help, oh God, that person to see truly who you are and not just to see through the pain and through the hurt. I also pray, God, for those that you are calling to be roofs, Lord, those who you are calling first to have this undying, Lord, love for you, that we will be there till the day we are buried, that we will be committed first to you, and then, Lord, committed to one another in the way that you've called us to be as families. I pray that we would do that, Lord, that you would raise up Ruths, O oh God, that would stand by those who are in great need so that they can see the greatness of you, O oh God, through them. And then I pray, God, that as a church, we would embrace that attitude and spirit as well as we seek to fill in those gaps, being fully committed to the mission you have called us to. We ask you this in the name of Jesus, and we pray, amen. Today, as you are watching this, you might be thinking, who on earth would have that level of commitment? How on earth would they have that level of commitment? Why would they even do that? You quite don't understand that that commitment first was by God. God gave that commitment first to us. He committed himself when we were yet in our sins. And he says that, Christ, that, that God demonstrated his own love towards us. He demonstrates why? In that how? In that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And so this morning, you may not understand it because you may not have a relationship with Jesus Christ. But that can change today. And understand that Christ came and gave his all with his undying love so that we would be united and joined with him in communion with the Father. And if that is you today, 
you can start a relationship with Jesus Christ. You can start by confessing your sins because we all were born in sin, every last one of us. And that you can, um, you, can, you can repent, you can turn from those sins, you can repent of them, and you can accept and embrace the sacrifice that Jesus Christ actually paid, made and paid for our sins. That he gave his life so that you and I could live with God. And so you would embrace that and accept that and receive that and start a relationship with God. And you can begin to experience the undying love of God in your life today. And if you did that and if you will do that, can I ask you two things as I do every week? Can you let someone else that you know is walking with God know? Can you let a... a friend that you think is a Christian, let them know that you made that decision. You know what? I decided to trust Christ today. And I decided to have him forgive me of my sins, to accept his forgiveness and for me to live in his strength and in the power of the resurrection of Christ. But then also, can I ask you to email us with the information that you see on the last screen as we close? Let us know communicate with us that you have, because we would like to pray with you. We would like to join with you. We would like to help you along in this process and in this way. And so today can be the start of a new and a fresh day for you. I hope today is an enjoyable Mother's Day for all of our moms and for those that have been mothers to others. And for those that this is a day that hurts because you don't have mom or because you are not a mom or because of any other loss or tragedy that has happened in your life, may you find the love of God and the strength of his commitment to you to be the, uh, a soothing balm in your life, that he loves you, that he cares about you, and that he is advocating for you. So enjoy, be blessed, happy Mother's Day. You've been listening to a broadcast of Solid Word Bible Church located at 4374 West 52nd Street, Indianapolis, Indiana. We pray that you were blessed by this video. And if you made the decision to give your life to Christ, would you please share it with us so we can rejoice with you and also pray for you. Again, thank you for joining us and may God continue to keep you until next time.